Christmas. It's amazing to have you guys here. Um, if I haven't met you, it's, it's amazing to have you in our house. Hey. Okay, go. Merry Xmas! Okay. So I was listening to a guy preaching, it was a Christmas message. He says, usually we read a little and we explain a lot. Today I'm going to probably read quite a lot and then explain hopefully a little. Um, get you guys out of here so we can have nice Christmas lunches and time with our family and just celebrate this incredible day. So I'm going to read from Luke 2 verse 8 to 12. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto us, or unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. It's obviously the, the simple story about the, the Jesus being born, coming as a gift to earth coming as our Savior, and this being testified to the shepherds, those that are out in the backwoods, the, the least of those, and the angels declaring the good news to them. I want to read this to you guys quick. As Christians, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ on Christmas Day. It's a time to remember the love and sacrifice that Jesus made for us, and to reflect on the hope and joy that, this brings, uh, that His birth brings to the world. This Christmas season, let us take a moment to give thanks for the gift of Jesus and to spread His love and message of hope to those around us. May we find peace and joy in the celebration of His birth and be reminded of the true meaning of Christmas. May you and your loved ones have a blessed and joyous Christmas filled with the love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I read that partly to show you how crazy the world is. Not because that seemed crazy, but that was written by an AI bot. That was written by artificial intelligence. That, I don't know if you guys know, there's a thing called ChatGPT, and you can actually log on and you can ask it questions. And in real time, it will respond by this. Because it's, it's been fed a lot of information from the internet, and it's basically, I asked it, write a simple Christian introduction to Christmas. So it's gone and scoured like the world and tried to figure out what Christmas is, what it means, what it means to us, and that's what it came up with. I'm like, that's probably better than anything I could write. <laughs> so the next thing is they're trying to figure out like how to stop plagiarism because you can type in questions for homework and it punches out a better answer than what you could have ever written. Now you tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It only goes back to 2019, but I'm sure it should work. 
And then the other thing that shows us how crazy we are is I put Merry Xmas on there. And my daughter comes to me and she says, why, why did you put Xmas on there, not Christmas? It's like, we're not American. We're losing Christ. We're taking Christ out of Christmas. And I just like, calm yourselves a little bit. Because the X in Christmas actually comes from Christos. And it goes back to like the first century and in like reputable like scholars trace it back at least to the 16th century. We've got a record of Christians talking about Christmas using the X. So we've got these culture wars that are going around us and Christians feel like they're under attack because the world is taking Christ out of this and, and like we don't realize that there's, a, there's always been a global fight going on. There's always been a debate around the best ways to live and the right ways to live and what is the way that leads to life and what's not. And we end up fighting with people that, are, are, that think differently to us. And now the, the current like, product is cancel culture where it's like you do something completely wrong and you just get completely canceled or they try and like remove you. I don't know if you guys have seen The Good Place on Netflix. It's a, it's a movie around, like, centered around the afterlife and obviously the good place, which is like a, a euphemism for heaven. And in the show, without too many spoilers, they, they figure out that not that many people are getting into heaven anymore or getting into the good place. And they trace it back and they say, because there's nothing you can do nowadays that doesn't make you completely evil. I nearly showed a video of like a, a very Calvinistic Santa Claus that's like, he's got these kids coming to him. He's like, ah, oh, am I on the naughty list or am I on the nice list? And he's like, no, we all depraved. So we all on the naughty list. So you get cold. That's all you deserve. And not quite what it, but it's like this. Basically, if we look at our, our sinfulness, it's like nobody's good enough. Nobody measures that. So it's like in that world, nobody gets presents. Fortunately, that's not the world we live in. But in the good place, they talk about, they almost like they analyze every action we have and then they trace it back. And because of globalization, because of our exposure to the internet and the chain of, um, what's it, the, the, the product chain of, of everything. You think about, I was listening to a terrifying podcast just on um, the mining of cobalt and how cobalt is in almost every rechargeable battery. And about 90% of the world's cobalt is mined by slaves. So if you have any device that has a rechargeable battery, you are partly involved in the slave trade. Not 200 years ago, not looking back at slavery back in the deep dark ages. This is slavery now, currently going on. And they say like every action we have gets analyzed and again get criticized. And we can look at it and saying like, but who are you to say what's right and wrong? Every like, stance on morality gets questioned. Every ideology, everything gets questioned. Then we end up all in a mess because we don't know where to find the truth. This might seem like a bit of a downer message for Christmas, but welcome to me. <laughs> I can't do like the superficial light like Christmas, but hopefully we're going to get there. Because I was looking at it and saying, okay, what are we going to look at? What is, what is Christmas actually about? Because if we're saying Xmas is actually Christmas, that's what we had to celebrate. What would you guys say Christmas is supposed to be about? Anybody? You can actually answer. Jesus? Good. It's a good Christian answer. We're the kids. 
tell me what Christmas is really about. It's presents. <laughs> it's presents, it's trees, it's food. That's the good stuff. So that's what I want to look at. It's like we're going to look at presents, we're going to look at gifts, we're going to look at trees, and we're going to look at feasts. Because that's what Christmas is all about. So gifts, trees, and feasts. So firstly, gifts. I have the privilege of living with Michelle. And if you, if you know Michelle at all, she is the best gift giver in the world. She knows exactly who you are. She knows exactly what you like. Like after the first conversation you've had with her, she's probably taken note of your favorite food to eat, your favorite treats. She starts like figuring out this is what you need. This is what you like. And fortunately, I'm the beneficiary of that. Not just that I get gifts that are perfect for me. But actually, other people have got like a reputation of me being a good gift giver because of Michelle. They're like, oh, thank you for that gift. And it's like, no, I'm just connected to the best gift giver. And she thinks perfectly what you want. And is, it's like her gift is gift giving, in a sense. And then we think about Christmas, and you've got like the three wise men coming and giving Jesus gifts. And the amazing thing is, we, we sometimes worry so much of trying to make Jesus attractive but he's already attractive to people. We just have to put him on display. It's like just the fact that he was born meant that wise men, potentially kings, came and gave him gifts because something resonated in their hearts that something was changing in the world. Something changed in the world when Jesus came into the world. But then in Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10, this is the one verse that I want you guys, or three verses, I'd love for you to take away from today. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in him. The first thing is that Jesus is a gift to us. And like Michelle, God is the perfect gift giver because he knows exactly what you need. He knows he, exactly what you need to transform the world. It's uniquely crafted for each and every one of us that Jesus came to transform us. And even a later stage where Jesus says, I'm going to go away because I'm going to give you another gift. And that's the Holy Spirit. So that God can actually be with you. Like through every day that you walk, every situation you go into, God can actually be there with you. Second thing we're looking at is trees. Um, Quibus showed this last week, if you guys were here. So it's a modern like take on Joseph and Mary. It's like if you have a look at it, I don't know if you guys... Sorry? Jose, sorry. Jose and Maria. Yes, Jose and Maria. Um, but if you have a look there, there's about like... I think I found about 18 little Easter eggs. If you guys can have a look at that and try and see if you can beat me. But you can see there's a, there's a little branch that's coming out, a little seedling, a little like sapling. Because trees are incredibly symbolic in the Bible. You might have heard the story. Like, so the one thing is they talk about Xmas stealing Christmas. Another one you might have heard is that Christmas is actually just stolen from Saturnalia. And it's a pagan holiday, so we shouldn't actually celebrate it. And we shouldn't celebrate with trees. I want to tell you that that's rubbish. We were celebrating Christmas long before Saturnalia was around. Not because we celebrated Christmas in the same way, but we celebrated the birth of Christ. 
for 2,000 years or a couple of thousand years before Saturnalia was like really taken over as Christmas. And then the best understanding they've actually got of it. So Saturnalia was a festival that was celebrated in the middle of winter in European climates. It's probably where we do get the origin of taking a tree into a home. But they would take a tree into their home in the deepest, darkest, coldest times of the year. So you think this is not South Africa Christmas in the, the glorious sunshine. This is Christmas at the moment. Like we always talk about a white Christmas. That's great if you've got comfortable houses that can withhandle snow and everything. But if you were in a primitive hut and it was a cold, like snowy, wintry Christmas where you were huddled in hoping that the season would change at some stage, the tree coming in was a picture of that. It was your little sapling coming in there in the deepest, darkest time to actually remind you that the season will change. That whatever you're going through now is not the end. And it might be hard for us to resonate with that because it's not cold. Fortunately, Eskom has really helped us out that at least it is dark around here a lot of the time. So we can resonate with that and we can hope for one day where we will get solar like the Shipleys or like Quivers and them. It's, we are fortunately blessed with that. Um, but then trees in the Bible, you think about it, there's, there's trees that run throughout the Bible. Two of the prominent ones, we've got the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you guys know it, that's the story of creation. Adam and Eve were given every tree to eat from, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which means they were given every tree, including the tree of life. Yet they chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the one thing that was withheld from them. And that's the sin that like infects and affects us all. And then you trace that through the Bible, like trees actually become a picture of a curse. If you get hung upon a tree, it's a curse in Deuteronomy. And as we all know, that's the picture and that's the story that it tells of Jesus. Where actually that curse from what the sin was that we, we had or we committed in the garden, Jesus came to remove that curse by taking our place. So it's like that's the gift we already know that is actually um, infused in all of this. And there's why, that's why the symbolic picture of a tree resonates with us. It's like we wouldn't just do it because, ah, ah that's a fun thing to do. They look pretty. No, I, I believe trees resonate with us because that taps into something far deeper inside of us. That we understand that trees are, it used to be a place where we would meet. It's a place where we can find shelter. It's beauty. It's a place where we find sustenance. It's wood. It's nurturing. Generally, like fruit comes from trees. We've got a place, that's what trees are actually looking at. Then you go into the New Testament, it actually talks about people being grafted in. It uses trees as a symbol of the people of God. It uses like nature as a picture of who the people of God are and wanting to graft in people that are not of us. So instead of fighting with people of like Xmas versus Christmas and you don't do this and you believe differently to me, it's how do we become people that live lovingly and compassionately and caringly with people that disagree with us? Holiday times, especially family dinners, that's where all the politics and disagreements and all of those things may come out. What if it's a time where people actually are amazed at your interest in their view more than communicating your own view? It's like, 
What sets us apart is not the fact that we've got all the answers and we're the good people. We're the people that have been transformed by God. But because of that, we can actually treat those that differ from us with grace and gentleness and dignity because that's what Jesus did. He took the ultimate like price for us, for outsiders, so we can be insiders. This gets me on to one of my favorite verses. It may seem a bit strange, but therefore... The Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. That's some of my favorite verses in the Bible. It may seem strange because that's us getting, getting banished from the, from the garden. But it's like you cannot come back to the tree of life. And the reason why is because one verse before that, Then the Lord said to them, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So God kicked us out of the garden because he didn't want us to stay in that state forever. He didn't want us to live forever in that state. He actually said, I need to remove you from this perfection. And I need to remove you from this for a season so that I can come and redeem you so that you can be perfect with me for eternity. Which gets us back to this verse. For by grace you have been saved. That being saved is a picture of the trees. The trees are a reminder of us being saved and our need for the gift. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So that's gifts, trees, now feasts. This is a little, little bit easier. We've got family, food, and there's festivities. It's like Christmas is not a time to be alone. Not because we're forced to be with each other. There's laughing, there's crying, there's kids. But the whole point is we call to be together. You look throughout the Bible, God was the one who instituted feasts. He came and said, actually, you're not going to work seven days a week. You're going to take one day off. And then seven times a year, you are going to stop and you're going to come and feast together. You're going to get together with your loved ones, with your people, with those people that are even sometimes far from you that aren't your family, but are becoming your family. That's what we're supposed to be as a church. We have communion here every week because we, together, we take the body and we take the blood and there's something about us eating together. I don't know if you know that, like a lot of religions in the world, you're not allowed to share bread with somebody that believes differently to you. Part of the reason why is because when you're sharing a meal together, that meal is becoming part of you. There's a picture of you actually becoming one together in that. It's like if we, if we take a, a bread, like a piece of bread together and we break it, and Barry has half of it, and I have half of it, and we take it, we ingest it, that becomes a part of us. It becomes a part of our members. And there's something of us sharing something together in that moment. That's why it's so profound when we actually eat together. Because it's not just, hey, we just had a meal together. It's, it's nothing. It's, no, there's something about, I see you. And I value you. And I want you to be a part of my tribe. I want you to be a part of my people. I want us to be one. In Ephesians, it talks about that and it goes on and actually says, I want you to be one as we are one. It's like, I want you to be one as we are one. Like, that's what God is saying to us. And that's why he says, like, 
do this in remembrance of me. Because I want you to actually be united. Because I want you to make you into something far greater than what you are individually. I want you to make you something far greater than what you are without me. So back to this verse again. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God is busy with us. We actually, his workmanship. It talks about us, God building us into a body, into a church, into a new unified body. That's who He's making us. I was amazed. I wanted to talk about like gifts and then it's Christmas season, so I didn't get that much time to, to prepare for today. And I'm like, God, is this the right thing? Is this what I'm supposed to be talking about? And I was given this little book this morning called Plastic Donuts. And I'm like, wow, that's a strange book. And literally this morning, I, I, I didn't have time to read it, but I felt I should read the first like, chapter. And I'm like, seriously? Like, I, it doesn't look like the most serious book. It doesn't look like it's what I need to be talking on. The whole book is about the power of gifts. The plastic Donuts is a gift he received and what he learns about God. That God is the perfect gift giver. And I'm just like, God, you're so good that even today you confirm something. I literally read it at like five to nine. Just before we were going to start, I felt I need to go and read that. Because there's something about like the gifts, the trees, the feasting that tells us the nature of the gift. Like the gift that we have received, that's unearned, that's uniquely designed for you. The gifts that you bring, it's utterly unique. And we need you as a part of the people of God. Without you, we are weaker. Without you, we are robbed of the gifts that each and every one of you bring. Secondly, the trees shows us our need for the gift. We can look around the world and there's wars and there's debates and there's discussion and there's like chaos in our, in our country and we can blame everything else. Or we can look at the tree and say, actually, there's hope. There's hope that all of this can be turned around. Our country can be turned around. The world can be turned around. We have seen it before and we can trust for it again. The reason why I know that there can be transformation is because I've seen transformation in my own life. I've seen transformation in my kids' lives. I've seen transformation in my friends' lives here that have become like family. So we know the, the nature of the gift. We know the need of the gift. But then we also see the blessings of the gifts. We see the, just the family that are around us, the, the joy that it brings in our lives. The whole of Ephesians actually talks about, I want you to know the incredible spiritual blessings that you have received from God. Everything that you have received from God is a gift. We have been 
adopted. We have been redeemed. We have been set free. You have been chosen. You've been given the Spirit. You know the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in you. And that's what He wants you to know. He wants you to know the length and the depth and the height and the breadth of the love of God for you. So that that would be what powers you, what strengthens you. He talks about like that as the armor of God. Actually, when we understand what God has done for us, our minds can be protected. When we understand who God is and how He set us free, that gives us like a breastplate of righteousness to protect us from anything that accuses us. You think about all of that, the armor of God is actually the gifts of God that He has given us. The gospel, the truth, the transformation that comes from it. Let's read one more thing. I said I'm going to read a lot and explain a little. I don't know if I've quite fulfilled that, but um, Philippians 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship with His Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that is, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We're going to have communion now. But Father, I want to thank you for what you have done. I want to thank you for the gift that is Jesus Christ. I thank you for, for the gift that has transformed our world. We date our calendar based on Him coming. We, our world has been infused and transformed by His actions, by who He is, by what He has done and how that has transformed us. I pray that you would help us to look at His example, to look at His life, to look at You, Jesus, and model our lives on that. Thank You for Your body. Thank You for Your blood. Thank You for coming as a baby in a manger, for putting on human flesh, for humbling Yourself in that way. Lord, thank You for today. Thank You for this incredible day where we can remember You, we can celebrate with family and friends. Lord, I pray that you'd knit people into family, that you'd knit people into relationships, that you'd help them to find, find you like never before. I pray that you'd help them to experience your love, your grace, your, your kindness, your goodness. But even as they're leaving here, you'd, you'd bless them. You'd watch over them. You'd just you'd pour your spirit out on them. Think of that you turn your face to them and just look upon them with grace and kindness, Lord. Jesus' name. Amen.